If there's one thing I know about you and me, Em, it's that we love a good secret society. Ah, I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine studying the mysteries of life, maybe even finding some answers, and then only sharing what you've learned with a secret group of people. It's like a juicy group chat. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. It's like its own little WhatsApp just for all the secrets of life. A league of their own. Rosicrucianism isn't an attractive topic on paper, but in the world of spiritualism, the group story is fascinating and also has a pretty mysterious background in and of itself. Well, you knew you had me at secrets and then you kept going with mysterious. (laughs) So I'm fully locked in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Rituals, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Christine Schieffer. And I'm M. Schultz. And every week we'll explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. Today we're getting into a topic called Rosicrucianism, which is strangely something I learned about briefly in high school and mm. vaguely remember, but really am excited to kind of delve into more this week. I know it's a secret society of sorts, but I am looking forward to you really teaching me the ways of it because <laughs> I know very little. What? Shocking. But I <laughs> am very excited to become obsessed with it by the end of this episode. Wonderful. So let's crack into it. So people used to ponder the universe in the past, and in some ways it doesn't seem that way anymore. Although, as somebody who has always spent my life writing in journals, like, what is the meaning of life? Mm -hmm. I think I might be the exception. I'm not sure. But do you ever feel like you think about, you know, the meaning of life, the secrets of the universe? I feel like that's all I think about. But then once my therapist told me I have existential OCD, so I don't know, that could be that (laughs) coming into play. Well, thank you for diagnosing me because I (laughs) have the same thing. I think about it all the time and I kind of keep it to myself now because in hindsight, I was like one of those horribly obnoxious 14 year olds who like thought I was like the deepest mother effer in the whole galaxy. Same. Like I watched Donnie Darko. And the Eternal oh, Sunshine Spotless, Eternal Spotless, whatever that one is. I watched it like one time <laughs> and I thought I'd cracked the case on the meaning Same. of life. So oh, yeah. I think after I like kind of realized how like cringy I was, I was like, okay, time to dial it back or at least keep it private. So yes, I like to still think about the meaning of things, but I don't think I'm as intolerable as I once was. Yeah, no, I have the exact same feeling. I wonder, too, if this has just become a more personal thing for people rather than like a group activity, <laughs> like yeah. delving into the meaning of life as a group, you know? I gotta say, talking about it in a group, though, I know it was cringy to be 14 once, but I really loved when none of us cared about how cringy and obnoxious we were, or we just had like no... Mm awareness of that and all of us would just i don't know about you but me and all my friends went through that phase where we would just all sit together and just be like what does it mean what does it all mean you'd lay on the trampoline and look at the stars and be like literally what's it all for were you there oh, yeah yeah. Oh, yeah yeah probably just in a different <laughs> coordinates on the united <laughs> states map i do miss it a little bit i do miss it but i also hey let's do it all right cool all right Done. i'll come over after this okay see ya <laughs> 
get the mini trampoline out. We'll put our heads on the it. The mini. Well, yeah, I was going to say we could like put our little toes on there and that's about it. <laughs> well, do you think there are secrets to the universe that we haven't discovered yet? I would like to think so. I think there have to be if we're talking paranormal, right? Like there have to be some things we haven't quite cracked the code on. I definitely think there's things we haven't figured out yet to answer your question. Yeah. In terms of like, is there a purpose to all of this? I don't know, but I think to avoid myself from thinking about how bleak it could all be Mm. to have no meaning, even if it's just to keep myself from getting sad, I have tricked myself wonderfully into thinking that there's got to be a reason for everything. And I just maybe I'm just not meant to know about it. I don't know. Opiate of the masses. (laughs) So. It's true. Like, why not, you know, believe it if it makes you feel better? Yeah, I'm very aware that maybe there is no reason for all of this, but maybe there is a reason for all this. And like, either we're not meant to know or we just haven't figured it out yet. Mm -hmm. I'm certainly not going to be the one to figure it out. And I have made my bed with that. So, (laughs) I mean, I take it you feel the same way that there are definitely secrets that we just have yet to divulge. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we don't understand everything yet. And I think some people think we do, but I don't feel like we've got a full grasp of it yet. Mm -hmm. And yeah, maybe I do just tell myself that for, I don't know, to feel better. Do you think we're supposed to know by now? Or do you think if there are secrets, they are intentionally kept from us? Or do you think like our stupid little human pea-sized brains wouldn't even be able to understand it? Yeah, I don't necessarily think there's somebody out there like keeping the secrets from us, Mm -hmm. unless this is a simulation, which is another avenue I'm currently pursuing. (laughs) But as far as secrets of the universe, I don't think anyone's necessarily like gatekeeping the secrets. I think, yeah, maybe we're just not at a evolutionary place to understand. Yeah. You know, like if you could talk to an ant, like explaining taxes to an ant. Yes. I feel like if someone came to us and gave us the secrets of the universe, I would still be like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah, that's "Hmm?" exactly it. It's sort of like maybe you just got to trust the process to a degree. I don't know. Yeah. Look, we're having our very own trampoline talk right here on Zoom. Publicly, which is the worst part (laughs) of it all. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, as far as enlightenment, Mm -hmm. maybe understanding the universe, does enlightenment mean anything specific to you or is it just kind of a word i feel like it's one of those words that like it has a definition i've never really like it's so vague but it's i understand it enough i've never really looked further into it Mm. beyond it just being like kind of like a spiritual aha moment i guess is like the best way for me to describe it i know a lot of people think of enlightenment as like transcending or maybe like having answers and feeling content with those answers or like knowing better than to get in the way. I feel like it's like having like a wisdom to you that like you've accepted. Mm, An understanding. An understanding. I don't know. I certainly don't feel enlightened. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess that should have been the question. Me neither. It's like, hmm, really, I don't know how to describe it if I'm not it. (laughs) That's a great point. We're the ant in this scenario. Yes, 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 yes. 100%. Does it mean anything to you? I would probably be in the exact same camp as you as far as you know, it means something on an intellectual level, but I don't know that like, well, I certainly don't feel enlightened. So I guess I could just jump on board with you and say the same thing. I feel very confused all the time, which I don't think an enlightened person's like does. <laughs> so. I'd like to think an enlightened person would have a little bit less constant underlying anxiety, but <laughs> maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Fair enough. So those are all very surface level thoughts when it comes to Rosicrucianism. Okay, so we're at a shallow level here. We can't even begin to understand the depths of this Rosicrucian 
understanding, you know? I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> I will not lose sleep over that. <laughs> I don't think so. We're on the outside looking in and that's okay with me. Yeah. The Rosicrucian Order has a very mysterious past, but the overall belief system isn't like super far-fetched. Hmm. Do you know anything about Rosicrucianism? I feel like this question it comes up in every episode of Rituals just Isn't to remind me that the answer is no, always. <laughs> no, I will say again, shameless shout out to all of our lovely researchers who find <sighs> topics that we know nothing about. And I, we are very, very lucky to be in a position to get to learn about it yeah, alongside everybody listening. Toes. Oh, yeah. I think I had my heyday when we talked about Harry Houdini and I'll just never have a moment like that again. No, you were on top of it with that. You had like extra fun facts. You know, I remember a chapter of one of my textbooks being about Rosicrucianism and I don't think I grasped it fully at the time. I think now I get a better idea of like, oh, this is a lot more interesting than I thought. I remember like very specific symbolism, like very elaborate crosses and, you know, mm. that kind of thing. So I did have a vague understanding, but really not like as as much as I'm going to share with you today. Sure. As far as secret societies go, I mean, you're all about a secret society. I know this about you. I'm in a secret society, so. I just feel like saying you're in a secret society, though, doesn't that defeat the whole point of being in a secret society? I think it's that you're in a society that has secrets. I see. Okay. Because I wonder, okay, yeah, that's a great point. So a society with secrets, not necessarily that the society is secreted away from the rest of the world. I prefer it to be that way so i'm in the odd fellows and i feel like they wouldn't be able to like host events and then come to them if we weren't allowed to tell people that we were odd fellows you know what i mean i see what you're saying yeah 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 so like i don't really know anything about them do you feel like they're genuinely like secrets that you could not ever share with me that you know from this group like if there was like a gun to my head, I would sing like a bird. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but, but so there are really secrets that you guys share. It's more like a, I mean, yeah, like I wouldn't, especially talking into a microphone publicly, I wouldn't say like what the, like the nature of the secrets yeah. are. Well, I really don't want like an odd fellow to email me later <laughs> and be like, you should have said that. Hello, I'm an odd fellow. <laughs> it's me. You've shared all our secrets. I don't know if there's any like world changing like i'm holier than thou or better than someone else because i know like an illuminati secret mainly the secrets are like the rituals or like the mm, like what mm -hmm. you talk about in meetings and things like that like which is so ironic that we're literally on a show called rituals and i can't tell you about my rituals but no no i mean <laughs> hey listen keep it a secret i'm not pressuring you to share I think that's interesting because I don't really i mean as someone who was not even in a secret society i was not ever even in like a society like I was never in a fraternity a sorority so I'm like very out of the loop in this whole world you know I love a good society also I will say <laughs> the odd fellows is fun I'll let's put it this way too like when it comes to like if there's secrets about like a new world order or something I have not been enlightened to be clear <laughs> also I easily scare so like if something happened in the odd fellows that I was not vibing with I would not be there let's just put it that way you'd FaceTime me <laughs> I'd be like help me <laughs> <laughs> but I think the reason that a lot of people like secret societies, which I 100% can attest to, is I just... If somebody asked me, like, you know, that superlative game of, like, who's most likely to? Yeah. If it said, like, who's most likely to join a secret society, I think everybody who knows you would vote you. Thank you. Well, I still have a personal grievance that I'll never have closure on it. Because in college, I went to a school where there was a secret society that all we knew was the acronym was PIF. 
And oh. so they were called PIF. I was desperate to be in the secret society. I was like, how dare they not invite me? What do they have against me? That was what I thought. I never like cited to anybody. But I was like, I just want to be in the secret society so damn bad. And then there was another secret society called the Society of the Severed Hand. What? And I wanted to be in either of them so badly. But I think and you weren't. And I wasn't. Mm. But I know that a lot of different departments at my school had a secret society. So I think the Society of the Severed Hand, it was like only like English majors could get in or something. But PIF, no one seemed to know anything about PIF. But I have a feeling because the only thing they were known for is they would do random acts of kindness. So I was like, I have to be in this. I really thought you were about to say violence. And I was like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> random acts of kindness. So like, I don't know if they still do it, but during like finals week, you would always find like a random like act of kindness that was like a public display. So like one year they had like a kiddie pool full of like rubber duckies with like a good like fortune on the bottom of it. Oh, next to it would be a sign that's like from PIF. Good luck on your finals. And so Aww. I feel like it was like the alumni association and i feel like pif meant pay it forward oh that's cute so no wonder i wasn't able to get in because i wasn't an alumni that's what i have but to like, tell how myself do you get to in if you're night. not even sure who's in it. you know what i mean like that's i know kind of the fun of it well so what is the i guess the appeal to you because you're the ultimate person who's like into this like what's the appeal to you just like belonging in something maybe back then it was like i really wanted the like the fun fa- like especially in college with like piff and all them i don't like not being included yeah but now as an adult like why i joined the odd fellows is like i first of all the name that doesn't take much to earn my loyalty don't blame you for that for one second but i do like the idea of community i love the idea of community and when you wrap it in something that's kind of mysterious it's like spooky community and i'm like oh yeah Mm. i want that and Mm -hmm. before getting into the odd fellows i didn't know what to expect but in my mind all secret societies kind of have this like air about them that feels very Illuminati or Freemasons like oh maybe they know something like Mm. I think I was just too nosy I was like I want to know what's going on so I walked right into the Freemason place here because it was an open house weekend a lot of houses in our neighborhood had like an open house at Christmas time and so my mom and I were like let's walk into the Freemasons and see what happens yeah (laughs) we walked in and they gave us a tour and they let us sit on like the throne and everything fun and yeah it was a little fun and then a little weird it got a little weird because I think women are not supposed to sit in the throne (laughs) and he got in a little bit of trouble with his other cohorts but you know I got a little glimpse in and I said "Mm, this isn't for me thank you though (laughs) yeah well I think I just the nosiness of me like if I could sit in on a meeting at every like society I would totally do it just to know like what it's all about but I guess this is like fulfilling the whole point right of a secret society is like people will want to know but they can't because it's Mm -hmm. a secret society and so it just like has that mystere about it forever yeah it makes a lot of sense yeah anyway that's why i would and have joined so (laughs) cool yeah cool yeah i love it to know what rosicrucianism is all about we need to break down the secrets your favorite word (laughs) of the rosicrucian order okay in English, the group's formal name is the Ancient Mystical Order of the Rose Cross. Uh, oh, Rosicrucian. Rosicrucian. Rose Cross. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. There we go. Which okay. is why you'll also see the acronym AMORC, AMORC, is <laughs> what I'm calling it. If you don't, I will. <laughs> So you may have guessed, and you just did, that the symbol for the group is a rose and a cross joined together. Mm-hmm. 
And this symbol, the cross symbolizes the human body and the rose symbolizes the individual's unfolding consciousness, which I think is very interesting. Yeah. Symbolically. I love a good symbolism. Love it. Together, the rose and the cross represent the experiences and challenges of a thoughtful life well lived. Hmm. Nice. I'm like, I can get behind that, you know? Yeah. So far, I am on board. Yeah, especially because Rosicrucianism is not affiliated with any religion. Ooh. And I think this is what threw me when I learned about this in like a theology class in high school, because the cross, I think, always just spoke to me as like, well, this must be some sort of branch of Christianity. But I guess sure. it's really not affiliated with any religion. So let's get into what their belief system is all about and yeah. where it all came from. Yeah. Well, we have both the mystical stories that have been passed down for centuries by word of mouth, and that's basically similar to any spiritualist or occult group's history. And then we have actual facts and dates of how Rosicrucianism came to be. Oh, I love the combo deal of like, we got a little oral history, we got a little Mm -hmm. fun facts, like actual facts. Yeah, like actual history, like maybe... I don't want to say oral history is not actual history, but like actual details that are can be confirmed and then just more of like a retelling. Uh-huh. Also, very different than probably what you were thinking in your theology class. A hundred percent. Yeah. Clearly, I didn't pay very close attention, which I mean, surprised to no one, I'm sure. Yeah. Modern day Rosicrucians will point to their mythology originating from three books from the early 1600s. Overall, the books explored physical and spiritual alchemy, the Kabbalah, mysticism, scientific advances within Protestant Christianity, and a society discovering the secrets of enlightenment. So badass. A casual little gamut of sources, but it does go back even further than that. The origins of Rosicrucianism actually date back to ancient Egypt, approximately 1500 BCE. Whoa. Okay. So way back. (laughs) So like really far, really far. Not a hop and a skip away, like... No. All the way back. Okay. Like, super, super duper far back. Right. So, the origins of Rosicrucianism date back to ancient Egypt, approximately 1500 BCE, when special groups of people or schools were formed to explore life's mysteries and secrets. (laughs) So sorry. (laughs) How do I get the invite to that? I know. Sign me up. So, I mean, a secret society, I guess. But for some reason, it seems so much more fun back then. I don't know why, but that seems very silly. Okay, I'm very excited to hear about this. I am piquing M's interest. Yeah, my serotonin levels are at an all-time high right now. I'm kind of (laughs) flustered. So you had to show a real deep interest in mythological knowledge and pass certain tests to be considered for these groups, which is also appealing to me because I'm like, oh, so you have to like be a certain, you know, fulfill a certain criteria to get in. It's not just like anybody can pay 50 bucks and get in. Well, also, it's like, so it gives you the wonderment of like, could I pass the test? Like, yeah, what would it take? And I don't know if I really have a I have a deep interest in mythological knowledge, but I don't actually have a heavy set of skills in that. Like, I have an interest, but no education. Like, I don't think I qualify. I also think we probably wouldn't qualify just based on other aspects of our lives in general. But I don't know. Because, I mean, like, let me give you an example. Members of this elite group included pharaohs. (laughs) Okay, so no, got it. ruled (laughs) Egypt. So I think maybe we, I don't know, maybe in some past life we were up there with the ruling class. But I don't know. I don't know. I just want to say maybe we wouldn't be invited, you know? Right, right, right. It feels a little, I don't know if this is right to say, but it feels a little Illuminati so far because a lot of people think the like dignitaries and like 
It feels kind of elitist yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I don't want to say that in like a negative way, but it seems like you did have to be kind of of a certain... A certain someone. Ilk. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, members of this elite group of deep thinkers included pharaohs who ruled Egypt around that time who allowed it to actually affect the direction of Egypt's religion and philosophy. Whoa. So that's how deep-rooted this was. Wow. Centuries later, there were Greek philosophers who made their way to Egypt and were initiated themselves into the mystery schools. Mystery schools? (laughs) Mystery school. That sounds like something you and I would join. (laughs) I would like a PhD from mystery school and I'd like it now. (laughs) And it's written in crayon. (laughs) (laughs) So those philosophers would bring back to the Western world what they learned in these mystery schools. And the records of what they learned is what would then plant the seed to becoming the Rosicrucian order. Uh Aha, I'm with you. Very cool backstory, in my opinion. A major part of the order's history also passes through alchemy. And we've said it before, but alchemy seems to pop up in a lot of these topics that are, you know, kind of traditional old school. Yeah, all over the place. Occult topics. And that would make sense for a group asking questions about natural law. The alchemists were also exploring the natural elements and how they worked and trying to figure out how they could manipulate them and control them. So, you know, I can see why they would go hand in hand. Definitely. Now, this is where maybe the word of mouth part, the oral history, comes into play. According to those three books or manifestos that more modern-day Rosicrucianists quote, there was a German doctor, Christian Rosenkreutz. You okay? Rosenkreutz, like Rosicrucian. Oh, it didn't even cross my mind. (laughs) I mean, you were absolutely valid in waiting for me to connect the dots there. No, I'm sorry. I didn't know how to say it in a savvy, clever way. But yeah, his name was Christian Rosenkreutz. It is a very coincidental situation there. Well, so the idea is that this German doctor, Christian Rosenkreutz, started the order at the turn of the 15th century. So it wasn't a coincidence. It was like it's named after him. Right. I see. That's one of these ideas. Apparently, Rosenkreutz traveled around the Middle East toward Jerusalem, learning all he could about hidden life secrets and mysteries. And he then put together a secret group that would over the centuries evolve into Rosicrucianism. Uh Aha. Okay. I'm there with you now. Yeah. Yep. So essentially the idea as part of this oral history is that he learned these secrets and developed this group. And over time, yeah, it became named after him in a way. Got it. On the other hand, though, some scholars today claim that Rosenkreutz never existed at all. Oh, plot twist. Plot twist. Coming up, more on the mystery of Christian Rosenkreutz. Were he and those three manifestos the real foundation of Rosicrucianism? Question mark? Mm, Trick question, because we don't even know (laughs) if he existed. That's Mm. right. Good point. Factually, we've tracked the origins of Rosicrucianism back to ancient Egypt and through three manifestos from the 1600s. And I just want to point out, I think it's really cool that factually speaking, I mean, we already talked about how there's this combination of kind of oral history and like written like Mm -hmm. factual history. I think it's so cool that we're able to for sure track this back all the way to 1500 BCE. I just think that's the coolest thing ever that that's not part of the like myth it's like no this actually was traced back this far i think that's very cool pretty unheard of yeah you can get that far back on fact 
Yeah, as someone we were just talking about ancestry mm-hmm. <laughs> genealogy <laughs> and was like, I got back a couple of generations and was like, oh, man, <laughs> I got back to like, hmm, maybe 70 years ago, <laughs> maximum. <laughs> and then it was just all hell broke loose. So <laughs> so we're impressed by this yeah. 1500 B.C. situation. One of those manifestos is the chemical wedding of Christian Rosenkreutz, which sounds like a fallout boy song. Sounds like My Chemical Romance yeah. <laughs> and Fall Out mixed together, their combo <laughs> album. Yeah, It's a symbolic work that follows this German doctor, Christian Rosenkreutz, through a mystical wedding mm. that's actually an allegory. It's an alchemical allegory. Oh, my God. You know, just your classic alchemical allegory. <laughs> <laughs> just your everyday run of the mill. <laughs> everyday run of the mill. We've all been there. <laughs> In this book, alchemy isn't about turning base metals into gold. It's actually about a person being enlightened through a spiritual process. Somewhere my English teacher, her brain is breaking at the creativity. Like, this is what she's (laughs) hoping all of us would do on our assignments. They're like, you know, simile, metaphor, Uh allegory. I'm like, I don't follow. (laughs) But this I follow. (laughs) Yeah, this is why I always disappointed my teacher. Because there's people like this making me look bad. Class. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. The other texts talk about how Rosenkreutz traveled around the Middle East toward Jerusalem, learning all he could about hidden life secrets and mysteries. Mm -hmm. Many of the lessons allegedly learned by Rosenkreutz were related to hermeticism and Gnosticism. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know, Gnosticism says the path of salvation is through knowledge. So it's this idea that, like, you need to acquire as much knowledge as possible. And that's kind of how you can elevate yourself, enlighten yourself. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power, M. Great. So, yes. Said by Gnosticism and Schoolhouse Rock. So, I was going to say, <laughs> of the ultimate highest order, Schoolhouse Rock, <sighs> our religious text, if you will, <laughs> our oral history. <laughs> In our uh, secret society, we just know the preamble to the Constitution. <laughs> that's and not that's it. it. <laughs> that's our secret. Yeah. <laughs> the secret is we don't know anything that's going on. We don't know anything besides that that little fun <laughs> song. <laughs> And Hermeticism provides knowledge through alchemy, astrology, and theurgy. Hmm. Now, theurgy, Googled how to pronounce this word, it involves invoking gods and spirits. So, whoa, we're right. Just uh, silly little things like invoking (laughs) gods and spirits. Just a light invoking. (laughs) This is a simple everyday invoking. And then, you know, combined with alchemy and astrology. So really speaks to me on some level. Mm hmm. When he went back to Germany, he got seven acolytes together, swore them to secrecy, and basically formed what would later become the Rosicrucian Order. Nice. Good for him. I wonder if that's like an important number. And also, how did he vet them? Like, was there an eighth potential? And then he was like, absolutely not. don't pass the test. Yeah, that's very interesting. You know, seven is a very biblical number. I wonder if that's a coincidence or not. But also, doesn't eight represent infinity? I don't know. In my mind, I feel like I guess every number's got a meaning. Maybe he was the eighth. (gasps) He collected seven people and he's the eighth. Now it's an infinity symbol. Wait a minute. (laughs) The researchers at Progress are like, we did not say any of this. Please don't. The researchers are like, why is that what gave you chills and none of my (laughs) hard work? (laughs) Your fake facts that you made up on the spot. Those are the ones that get you. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, I would like 
one day, if I could request anything, podcast researchers, all of our stupid questions. Let's have a reunion episode where <laughs> that's just all the information on the script. <laughs> we just pull out all the stuff that's on the cutting room floor that we made up <laughs> and make a big fake episode. <laughs> <sighs> so he went back to Germany, got these seven acolytes together, swore them to secrecy, created this secret group that would later become the Rosicrucian Order. So mm-hmm. that's the story behind this Rosenkreuz. And to keep it all going, they created an initiation system where they would choose a successor. Mm. And in 1484, this Christian Rosenkreutz died at 106 years old. Whoa. He certainly knew something. He knew how to take care of himself. I'm saying some sort of secret, whether it was like the Mediterranean diet or I don't know what it was, (laughs) but he knew something that was keeping him healthy and alive for a long time. My grandfather, he's turning 97 this year, and he's always said that the reason he's always stayed so sharp for so long is because every day he has a banana and a glass of gin. (laughs) I'm like, (gasps) okay, so that gives me hope for my own future. (laughs) Just going to leave it at that. Not to, (laughs) you know, spoil his secrets, but if you want to make it to 97, that has been the only constant in his life this whole time. A banana in the morning and some gin in the afternoon. And that's it. Okay. This is the basis upon which Em and I are founding our secret society. Uh And it's basically you just have to eat a banana and a glass of gin every day to prolong your life and We also know the preamble to the Constitution. Perfect. Well, I don't know if it'll work for anyone. I will say my grandpa's name is Lucky. So for all I know, like (laughs) his secrets are just his secrets are just absolutely like for him off the rails and just only work in his favor. So who knows? I'm going to take his word for it just for my own benefit. Perfect. Drink your gin. Yeah, it makes me feel better, you know, about my own habits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad habits. So Christian Rosenkreutz, he dies at 106 years old in 1484 and was buried in a concealed grave. Mm. But his secret group continued on for 120 years. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Then in 1604, one of the members opened Rosenkreutz's tomb and found strange inscriptions in a manuscript in golden letters. Ooh, ah. I like how this whole group, they're like, our whole purpose is to know all the world's secrets, but we did not see that coming. Like, we, <laughs> Also, are you supposed to be digging in his grave? I feel like maybe that's a rule. Yeah. That, like, you're not supposed to be digging him what out. What was going on there? tomb. Yeah. Were you supposed to do that? I love that they were just like, what a shock <laughs> yeah. to find the secret on the wall. <laughs> After that, members decided it was the right time to publish the manifestos and reveal their existence. So they've been like in secret, like fully in secret this whole time. And now they are bringing their existence publicly to bring in new members, essentially. So they're going to start, I guess, recruiting. It's a good story for PR of like, well, we're expanding because we recently <laughs> found a manifesto that even we can't explain. So yeah, new openings. Uh, hop on expanding. board and help us out. <laughs> now, as I said at the beginning of the episode, some scholars today claim that Rosenkreutz never existed. So with all this flowery talk of his 106 years and his mysteries and mm. his golden letters, some people say, actually, this guy was not even real. And To be fair, there's actually no proof of Rosenkreutz or his secret group. Oh. So, not a good look. Hmm. Okay. But there are some theories. One says Rosenkreutz was a Swiss alchemist living from 1493 to 1541. 
Okay. Another theory, which just is like a complete 180, is that he was an Italian ex-monk who was burned by the Inquisition for heresy in 1600. All righty. If I were Rosencrantz, I'd be hoping I'm the first one, not the second one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. the real one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And another says that Rosicrucianism was the result of radical Protestantism. Oh. So, like, Rosencrantz isn't even part of this conversation. Okay, sure. So we're really just throwing theories at the wall. Oh, yeah. These are three different theories as to where Rosicrucianism came from, basically. The telephone game, mm-hmm. you know, we're passing on information and... Was he real? Yes, but he was this Swiss guy. Yes, but he was this monk. Hmm. No, he's not real at all. It's hard to say. All right. Either way, we can thank Christian Rosenkreutz, real or not, or the three manifestos that came after him. But Rosicrucianism really caught on and started to spread. Interesting. 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 During the 17th century, the idea of elevating scientific knowledge to make life better became all the rage in Europe. What a fun fact. What a new concept. It's like, <laughs> what a newfangled hmm, idea. Are you telling me things don't have to be like this? Hang on. I know. <laughs> wow. I mean, it makes sense, I guess. Like They were just like recently going through it, so I can understand. There's a lot before that, yeah, that they had to focus on, I guess, yeah. before science became all the rage. But it's interesting to think there was a time before, you know, we thought science could help make <laughs> our lives better. Yeah. And this was when people were dealing with political instability, religious conflict, right. you know, seeking answers so you can understand why that might have come about. And with that, those manifestos got bumped up the popularity chain or like the bestseller list, I guess, if you <laughs> want to put it that way. Sure. New York Times hadn't uh, yeah. come into its fruition yet. So, But if they had, I think these manifestos would be right on up there. Okay. Maybe in like the self-help how-to, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Advice. <laughs> miscellaneous. Advice. <laughs> So they got bumped up the popularity chain and the info in the manifestos spread quickly. Suddenly, these Rosicrucian ideas were making the rounds among emerging intellectuals, including the English philosopher Francis Bacon. Oh, wow. In the late 17th century, Francis Bacon helped push the formation of the Rosicrucian arts and sciences in America. Alrighty. So he is helping spread the word. Mm Mm-hmm. Historian Frances Yates wrote in her 1972 book, The Rosicrucian Enlightenment, that the manifestos helped prompt a new way of thinking about the world, which seems like was what people were seeking. New answers, new way of looking at things. Exactly. I would have 100% been in the Rosicrucian circles, I think, of at the time. Yeah, I feel like I would have been definitely intrigued. Definitely intrigued. I would have gone to a meeting, see what it's about. Yeah, if they let me in. I don't know if they'd let me in. <laughs> because, like, my next bullet literally says, educated men started forming their own secret societies. Alrighty, so, well, once again, I don't think I'd be invited. But, like, maybe we can make our own, like, outcast group, you know? Yeah, those are called witches, my friend. So, I <laughs> oh, yeah. Know if oh, yeah. That's no, work. never mind. You know what? You're right. This is why I feel like my past lives had a lot of torment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some bad decision making, perhaps. So the mythology, like I said, of this group, of the secret group also had its influence and educated men were forming their own secret societies all over the place. Which, like, I like that, like, this society, like, wasn't good enough. Yeah, they're like, let's do our own one. Yeah. (laughs) We're so educated. We have exceeded our space for this. We have to go somewhere else. Like, yes, and like, oh, that one's fine. But we also want to do this. But ours is better. And we are starting from the ground up with no real background. However, we know the secrets now. Yeah. And also you have to 
pay to get in and it's a pyramid scheme in the end. And also only educated men allowed because there are no educated women. No such thing. No such thing. Oh, your voice turned static when you said that. I I couldn't even hear it. (laughs) Those were your eyes graying over, I'm afraid. Oh, okay. (laughs) So over time, Rosicrucian groups made valuable contributions to the newly emerging American fields of printing, philosophy, the sciences, and arts which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. American leaders, including Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, and Thomas Paine were reportedly connected with Rosicrucianism. Mm. I just think that's really cool, you know, to throw back to ancient Egypt, the pharaohs. Yeah. And now we have like still all male leaders, which, you know. And maybe a little westernized, Americanized. Yeah, now, now maybe becoming a little westernized. But it is kind of fascinating to think like, you know, we can trace it all the way back to these leaders in ancient Egypt. And now you know, more modern day, still kind of the same yeah. um, idea. I just think that's pretty cool. It also lets you know, I think that like, I feel like a lot of people forget that like beliefs that come from our, I don't know about founding fathers, but early on notable people I feel like their beliefs still came from somewhere. Yeah. Just right, a good right, reminder right, right. of like, they didn't just like come up with their own ideas all the time. Everything. Those yes. Founding fathers. <laughs> <laughs> So the mid-1800s is when we got what would become modern Rosicrucianism. And it was originally intertwined with the Masons, actually, Ah. until 1858, Mm -hmm. when Dr. Occultist and writer Pascal Beverly (gasps) Randolph, PBR, PBR, shout out, got involved. (laughs) We've covered him before. So if you want more info on PBR, check it out. The Rosicrucian Order settled in Pennsylvania and today actually owns land in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Fun fact. Cool, right? Yeah. Up next, Rosicrucianism still thrives today. It may surprise you how far this mystical order stretches across the globe. Hmm. I'm going to guess it stretches across the globe. How did you know that? I don't know. Just a guess. The 20th century saw the start of two of the most successful Rosicrucian organizations, the first being the ancient mystical order of the Rose Cross, you know, Amor. I know them. (laughs) You've heard of them. Which was founded in New York City in 1915, and its founder, H. Spencer Lewis, said he was a student of the European Rosicrucians. Oh. Then there was the second most successful Rosicrucian group, which was the Rosicrucian Fellowship, and its founder got his Rosicrucian education in Germany. And the Rosicrucian Fellowship was actually founded in Seattle in 1909. Oh, okay. So we're really hopping. Really hopping all over the place. Yeah, all over the place. Amork. I really don't know if that's how you say it. It sounds right. It sounds really silly. It sounds but right it sounds to me. right at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say A-M-O-R-C in case that's the right one. I will say everything we do sounds right but silly. Or sounds wrong but silly. <laughs> sounds wrong but also silly. That's a great point. Yeah. So who knows? AMORC has more than 200,000 active members worldwide and is found in more than 450 cities. It is, I like this part, nonprofit, non-religious, and non-political. And I'm officially a Rosicrucian. Look at that. No, because <laughs> you didn't pass all the secret tests you're right. yet. You're right, you're right, you're right. But I am a fan. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's really uh, an interesting concept. Members continue to study natural and spiritual laws in order to get everyone to live in harmony, which I think is a goal that we can all appreciate. Sure. And I am kind of with you, Em. We should check if Burbank has a Rosicrucian order. 
I would certainly snag a brochure from their main <laughs> office from the yeah. front lobby. I'll download a PDF and see what it's all about. You know? Yeah, it sounds like a group that I could join. I love the irony that this mysterious group that searches for answers doesn't even know if like their founder really exists. But that seems to be like every secret society, right? It's very I feel on like par. We always yeah. hear that that like, oh, maybe he was real, maybe he wasn't. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. So at the very least, we know that those manifestos were real and Mm -hmm. they did come from that at the very least. So at least we do know, like, they know, you know, a good chunk of their history. They're still, like, written down facts somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Do you think it's strange that this entire movement, I'll give you a spoiler, I don't think it's that strange, that this entire movement can be traced back to men meeting in private to talk about what they've learned about the world? Because that (laughs) seems to be most of the history of most things i think on this planet but yeah i don't know it is not weird to me i feel like there's nothing men have historically loved more than to go into a room away from like feeble-minded women and discuss what they know about the world like (laughs) brag about things they claim to know better than anybody else like yeah that does not shock me really at all Mm-hmm. I hope they've at least made updates to like some original beliefs, because I feel like if a lot of this stems from white men in rooms away from everybody else, like kind of deciding how things are going to go. Right. I like to think that if this really is a belief system based on like there's some science involved, like they are one of the only ones with like some sort of factual history. I like to think every now and then they check in and they're like, you know what? Maybe we need an update or like. Let's keep researching. Let's actually figure out like what this is all about. I'm happy to tell you that I have a little bit of an answer for you here. Oh, I've joined. I'm not joined. <laughs> I've joined. <laughs> I am a Rosicrucian. <laughs> I've entered the Rose Cross Order website and I'm reading the invitation to affiliate. And here, this is what you need to become a member. Okay. Okay. We carefully select those who believe have a true desire for greater understanding and wisdom. Only those who humbly aspire to the greater light and request the secular knowledge of the Rose Cross Order are admitted. Mm. If you sincerely desire the inner knowledge taught by the Rosicrucian, the knowledge that sets worthy men and women of goodwill free, you too may request admission as an aspirant to the inner light. Aspirant? Aspirant? I don't know. Uh, it also says, if you are only curious, please don't bother to request admission oh. <laughs> since it is certain that your application will be rejected. I got it. Okay. So actually, never mind. I don't No think... brochure for you. Man, <laughs> I just want to see what it's all about. So you have to like blindly commit. It's not really blind. There's a lot of information on here. Okay. But you have to really confidently be like, I want to be very involved in this and I want to 110% commit to being part of this. Okay. Well, as someone who loses their luster after a fortnight, as we've mentioned. (laughs) As a fortnight, yeah. Maybe I should take a backseat for now. But if you commit and then let me know what's going on, I think I need a buddy on the inside first. to like Someone who knows me, I need them to be like, oh, you're going to absolutely go crazy for this. We got to go. Like, right. You need a reference to be like, yeah, I totally got you. Yeah. Well, I'm going to read more into it because, again, they really want you to be fully aware of what you're signing up for. And I feel like Which that's I appreciate. only fair. Yeah, I do, too. I respect 100%. that. I respect that. <laughs> Me, too. Oh, dear. Well, it looks like there really is a, something called a profession of faith. Hmm. Believe in one God. So, you know, maybe this isn't. For me, (laughs) we'll see. I'll do some digging and see how much of this is for me or not. And then if not, we can just make our own, right? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm still on board for that if you are. I'm happy to start building our own faith and people can, (laughs) again, just, you don't even have to really be committed. That's fine. We'll take you. (laughs) Oh, no, yeah. You can be as flighty as you want. We'll give you a brochure. It's actually encouraged because none of us really want to make it to the meeting anyway. So We might not even go. Yeah, you might be sitting in a room by yourself. Be like, what is this all about? I don't know. Ah, Well, thank you for teaching me everything there is to know and the most basic level of Rosicrucianism. Apparently, it's far from everything we need to know because there are a lot of links on this website. If anyone wants to check it out, it's rosicrucian-order.com. So it looks like there are a lot of little sections that might teach you, you know, whether this group is for you or not. Nice. Check it out. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back next week with another great episode. Information on today's episode came from amork.org, rosicrucian.org, Britannica, Atlas Obscura, The New Yorker, Newsweek, Wondrium Daily, The Straight Dope, and The Rose Cross, a historical and philosophical view by Carl Edwin Lindgren. Remember to follow Rituals on Spotify to get a brand new episode every week. And you can listen to this and all other episodes of Rituals for free exclusively on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. You can find me at The M. Schultz. And you can find me at Xteen Schieffer. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week. Rituals is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Kevin McAlpine. Fact-checking by Haley Milliken. Research by Chelsea Wood. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo and Jonathan Ratliff with production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We're your hosts, Christine Schiefer and M. Schultz. <laughs>